Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. I'm your host, Kristen Cole in New York. I'm a fashion consultant with 20 years experience in the industry as a high concept retailer, fashion director, founder, and buyer. I'm here for all the conversations around the many changes in fashion right now. And that's what I'm bringing to you on this pod in each episode. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today, this is episode number 17, where I have the pleasure of speaking with Jen Mankins, an industry veteran, longtime retailer, founder of Bird Brooklyn, which was the definitive Brooklyn boutique with a number of locations around the borough and one in LA, known for its prints and cozy maximalist point of view that helped crystallize the much copied idea of Brooklyn style, fashion clogs and all. So much has changed in the retail landscape and fashion over over these last few years. We have a lot to discuss as fellow ex-retailers. Jen is here to share what she's been up to, her recent move from Brooklyn to Sweden, Scandi Design, and all things specialty retail. Okay, so just a couple of things before we get to the interview. Uh, It's July, it's summer, the Paris Couture shows have just wrapped. I just returned from Milan where I was traveling on vacation actually left the country, which was a real pleasure, especially now. Um, We had some great food, saw a lot of art, visited the Fondazione Prada in Milano. We traveled to Venice for the Biennale. Uh, It was all pretty incredible. Still blown away by Simone Lee's U.S. Pavilion uh, at the Biennale, which was uh, definitely a highlight. Uh, The scale, the materiality, the content of her work is pretty incredible. Uh, I did some shopping on Via Monte Napoleon in Milan. I went through Prada and Gucci and Bottega and Hermes and Celine and Loewe and Marnie and all the things that I can uh, probably find in New York, but it's really amazing to shop that very condensed street uh, with so many you know, well-merchandised stores. I went through the Galleria, stopped in Ten Corso Como, which was really fun. It was the first time I've shopped in a really well curated multi-brand concept store in quite some time with so many specialty retailers and concept shops in New York being closed now. Um, I only bought yeah one piece of fashion from Celine. Thank you very much. I've been trying to buy a lot less these days, uh, but I did a lot of window shopping. I found a new summer fragrance at 10 Corso Como that smells exactly like Italy in the summer. It's a mandarino. Mandarin Orange Essence by Laboratoria Olfativo. Really um, uplifting, beautiful scent. Uh, When I told my husband about my shopping and the handbags I was considering on the trip, I made the critical error of calling them investment pieces, LOL, to which he replied that none of my fashion purchases seem like really good investments, which he knows now that I've sold half of my closet through the real real. So I'm thinking I'm going to start calling them all bad investment pieces, and that should that should do it. So anyways, I'm so excited to share my conversation with Jen Mankins. I've always been a fan of the Bird brand that she built, mostly because it had such a strong point of view and felt very authentic to Brooklyn. For those of us who really love a curated shopping experience, it's been so brutal to watch so many closures. In and around 2020, just in New York, we lost... Barney's Jeffrey, Opening Ceremony, Todokayo, Corso Como, The Bird Store is closed, My 4510 here closed, and you know so many more small boutiques. 
uh, Miriam Nasir Zadeh has survived and has a really distinct edit. I feel like that's still a place I go to get a sense of discovery. Dover Street is still around in New York, but I somehow never go there. Uh, TA in the Meatpacking District is relatively new and has a really strong edit. Uh, so I like that one quite a bit, um, but that's about it. So anyways, here is Jen joining me uh, from Sweden over Zoom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I have a house full. My husband and my sister and my niece are all here. So they're in good Oh, my gosh. Well, you're so sweet to talk to me today. I know it's um, always, yeah, always a crazy time. Great. When I told you um, when I wrote you yesterday, I was like, as long as nothing unexpected happens. But I was like, yeah. what is unexpected? I mean, like every five minutes of my entire life. No, I, I feel the same way. Every day is unexpected. <laughs> it's okay. It keeps it, it, keeps it interesting. One hundred percent. Never, never a dull moment these days. Just existing in this uh, strange time. Um, so, how is how is Sweden? It is awesome. I mean, it's so crazy. Um, I've never lived outside the United States. Yeah, I mean, I realize I'm very American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I think sometimes living in New York, like you think you're not so right. American. You're right. Like, it's it's its own it's its own country in many I ways. Just want but ice still. latte to go. Totally, um, it's so hard to get ice um, <laughs> outside of the U.S. Yeah, I, like, I bought one bag, and then the next day, my husband was like. Ika recalled all their bagged ice. And I was like, are you just Great. messing with me? Because Great. it's like the only comfort I have. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. But I mean, so, so you left Brooklyn for Sweden and are you in Stockholm or outside Stockholm? We're outside of Stockholm. We moved to the suburbs. It's called yeah. Saltsjöbaden. Okay. It's about 20 minutes east of Stockholm. Amazing. And, you know, we always, I thought about, you know, we would live in Stockholm or, you know, Nick's sister, lives about five minutes from here so that's yeah. kind of how we ended up here we spent a lot of time out here and it's yeah. gorgeous it's just in my mind I always thought we would like move to Stockholm and move like right to the city of the center totally. because like my Brooklyn life has always kind of been a little felt a little suburban and well I thought it was until I have actually now moved to the suburbs and realized yeah. that Brooklyn is <laughs> not suburban different. at all yeah. <laughs> um but, you know, I always lived like 30 minutes from Manhattan or, mm -hmm. you know, I never lived like Union Square or anything. So yeah. it felt kind of like that's what I would want. Real estate's really funny here. There's almost like nothing to rent. I mean, like Interesting. Nothing. Interesting. Everyone buys. Uh, everyone uh, buys. Yeah. And um, there's like four things over six months that we saw to like rent. Oh His family would go look at and just be like, yeah. it's a dump or it's like not, you can't have kids there or yeah. you know, whatever face would be and then this house little house came up and it just like checks yeah every box, the boxes. other than being you know right in the middle of Stockholm so we were like let's just try it we don't we don't know but now I think we're pretty spoiled like I think if we'd moved to Stockholm directly from New York it would have felt like such a lifestyle upgrade right right felt great at least for a while but now that we've just already gone to like full Scandinavian nature reality it may even be hard to like go back to no Stockholm. totally so, totally so we'll yeah, that's what, that's a little like what we did um, early in the pandemic. We were, you know, leaving Texas and we had an apartment in the West Village, which was, you know, way too in the middle of everything for that time. 
And when we started looking to, you know, recreate our life East Coast full time, we were looking upstate, Hudson River Valley, Westchester, you know, near Prospect Park, you know, way out, you know, <laughs> Park Park South, et cetera. And, you know, just trying to envision our life with these, you know, two boys in lockdown and all of this. And we settled on this area 30 minutes north of Manhattan in Westchester. And it's lovely. We're on the water. It's like a beach house. We have sand in the house every day. And my kids, you know, bike to school and we are immersed in nature and I have like a garden and like, it's, I love it. And I was really, yeah, fluid in and out and we take the train and it's, it's really nice. Yeah. I mean, so like the first month we were here, I I swear I didn't even like think about Brooklyn except to kind of like laugh and be like, the, how did we end up kind of in this magical place? Yeah. Um, but then after about a month, I was just like, I miss my, I miss people. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Miss, not my people specifically, my family and like my best friends. But then I was like, I just like all the things you would see and hear yeah. in New York or people even just driving down your street, like with yeah. their crazy sound systems, like what the way anything you might encounter in a day is is hard so I was kind of like I'm like very happy because I was like I knew the nature would make my kids happy and I hadn't yeah. really thought about that it would also make me happy because I'm a Same. human being and like air and sky and really actually literally just makes you happy but I'm also like but so does really good food yeah really yeah people so yeah. I'm a little kind of like I was at a super high and now it feels like it's come down a little bit yeah. You'll I mean, find your, you'll find your balance. Me, my husband, um, you know, works in Tribeca every day and I work out of the city and get my culture fixed two times a week. And it turns out that's enough for me. It's like, if I'm in, I like if I'm in two days a week, perfect. Like I'm like, two <laughs> so is- I think I need to like get in more of a routine where I'm you'll like, find yeah. you'll- cause I get to Stockholm and I'm like, Oh my God, like yeah. I'm so happy. But then I'm like, I'm yeah, sure. Really hours a day probably not so totally yeah you'll find your balance okay so you're in or you're outside of Stockholm you're living in Sweden and you have twins right when so when did this happen twins like in May of 2020 so like right like three months into the pandemic oh my god like a week before we had them like it was not hospital policy to even allow Nick like they had just changed it so he could be at the delivery thank god but then would have to like leave immediately and like what turned into sort of like a complicated birth where I was in recovery for like 18 hours and then in the hospital for four days and left the hospital and then like went back to the hospital for another surgery uh-huh. I was like oh my god if he hadn't been here I mean like what what yeah. do people do these first few months like it, it's so it, terrifying it, right people survived yeah. or a lot of people didn't I know but luckily I mean like right at the last minute like the day before you know a few days before we gave birth or I'm just I gave birth it's not a we yeah you did <laughs> um, it <laughs> I did it um they changed it so he could be there and be in recovery and he like stayed with me in the hospital in the voice like the whole time yeah so oh that God. worked out but it was just really what intense a crazy time so, yeah and so you know I was just I was balancing that with all of a sudden you know trying to like figure out what to do with my business and of keep course. it a float or you yeah. know at first it was like try to keep it open and then it was sort of like try to pivot it you yeah. know this this business I had to built online. specifically for 20 years to be these in-store like community totally local based yeah. <laughs> places yeah. to be an online you know digital online only business which just was you know practically impossible 
And then it was sort of also coupled with, I mean, literally like two days before I went into the hospitals and George Floyd was murdered, the ramifications of of what that meant, you know, socially and politically and personally and emotionally to everyone, you know, it was just like such an, such a unforgettable, but an unforgettable time. I understand that. Wow. And how are the, how are the boys doing? The boys are amazing. They just turned two. Amazing. Um, So we have survived two years. Yeah. Um, And they just started daycare, which here, you know, here in Sweden, there's awesome first, you know, they call it first school, first school. Amazing. They're doing great. That's awesome. I mean, they're doing great. It's so much change that we like asked from them. And like, you think, I'm saying it, you know, there's never a good time to sort of do <laughs> feels like almost anything, you yeah, know, totally, including totally. have kids or move yeah. to another country, no, but totally. to like move to another country with like toddler twins <laughs> already looking back, it's only been two months and I'm like, yeah. that's kind of an insane thing to do. Kind of okay so far, but you know, it's all of a sudden it's like, here's your new house. Here's your new time zone. Here's your new family. Here's your new schedule. Here's yeah. your new food. Here's a new language. Yeah. And you're also going to go to school with like kids and teachers yeah. and not be with us schools here are really I mean they've gone from kind of having like a New York City helicopter parent experience yeah. where you're on them all times because it's yeah. just not safe you and have to. yeah sort of the culture yeah um to being here where the culture of sort of child rearing and definitely like of you know the the philosophy of the school is just about being self-sufficient and independent yeah, yeah. from like one year old when you start these daycare programs so it's like that's great all of a sudden they're supposed to like you know climb up on the diaper changing table themselves or like feed themselves and and I know that's all great stuff but it's just I feel like it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of change luckily children are so adaptable and you know when my son when we moved from Los Angeles to Austin my um, older son Jack was three and a half. And he went from this like super precious Hollywood preschool where like, you know, they wipe your mouth after each bite, you know, just like so sweet, (laughs) so nurturing. Um, That most, you know, kind little community to Austin where we went to this like, you know, South Austin preschool called Habibi's Hutch. I don't know if you... My yeah. niece and nephew in there. And, and it's like, um, you know, dirt bikes. They're not like wearing clothes. They have no, like more paint on. It's so funny. And he was amazing. like, yeah, kind of left to rear himself at that point. And it was um, quite a change. So, yeah. So my parents and my oldest sister live in Austin and her two youngest kids went to Habibi's Hutch when she moved there. And I mean, they're now like 20 and 15. But they're the ones visiting now. And she's like, you know, gone with me to daycare. And she's like, it's just like a BB such. I mean, I'd pick her up every day. And Joy would just like be in her underwear covered totally. in paint mud. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'd be like, great. where are your clothes? No idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think, yeah, probably the, the grit and independence is a good thing. <laughs> so funny. Okay. So obviously you decided to, you know, move on from Bird because of the pandemic problems, right? I mean, it was so difficult to run retail through that time and the the way things had been going anyway, you know, I'm so curious what you think. I'm sure like me, people are always like, are you going to open a new store or what do you, you know? And I'm like, no, no no way. Yeah, no way. (laughs) Um, Which is, you know, interesting Uh and surprising, but what do you think about the wholesale retail model as it is? You know, I feel like there's a place for wholesale from like the designer's perspective. Yeah. Um, if you have your, you know, if you have your own collection, you are doing direct to consumer yourself. Maybe you have your own retail stores, your mm-hmm. own website. 
um, you have a built-in margin for your wholesale to then also sell um, wholesale to sell to retail and other accounts, then I think the sort of margin that you have built into that works for designers. And I think it sort of spreads the risk of their business wide and they can cast a wider net and wholesale, you know, can play an important role in helping expose brands to new customers and build brands and just kind of, you know, I I have obviously from 25 years in, in fashion, so many friend you know friends with the people who are the salespeople yeah. um to also accounts and they were just like you know small independent stores are like the bread and butter for designers because they're so loyal and can build yeah. a business and build a following and a clientele for specific totally. brands and they will just place you know order season after season after yeah. season from you know for the designers I think it works for if you're just a third party wholesale you know a third party retail or multi-brand retailer now I don't see how it really works. Yeah. It just doesn't. Um, I think the margins aren't That's high enough. Right. I agree. The, the yeah. cost of doing business has just like increased exponentially, um, especially if you're going to be in, you know, locations, which people normally are that are yeah. more urban locations with yeah. access to the most people, exactly. um, rents, insurance, you know, the cost of living to, you know, sustainable wages for your staff, yeah. the expectations of that are placed on business owners in terms Absolutely. of providing for yeah. their staff of, you know, yeah. quality of life and a healthcare and everything else, you know, I just, it's like, you don't, and then you're not in control of your product or, you yeah. know, when your product comes into your store. Now, I remember when I've had many conversations with Mickey Drexler over the years, but one of the later ones when, you know, I would go to him to talk about bird and uh, business in general. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, if you don't control your product flow, you're dead. You don't have any control yeah. period. No, so you know, I think some stores are tackling that by also producing their own brands. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like they can be the designer and have a, a more diverse product mix, more safe mix. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, separation of, of but goods. But then you just have more product out there. But then it's just like more product. Better? I mean, yeah. it really is. Um, I think it's just sort of like, you know, often, I mean, I kind of think the main problem right now is just like too much product. I, I agree. Um, it's a very has crowded to be, like, discounted and it's just like impossible to break through the noise, whether you're a I retailer agree. or a designer, or even as a customer, it's just like, it's just too much. So oh, I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I know what the answer is. I mean, I know there's some people who are some people who are still managing to do it, but yeah. I mean, 90% of the stores, uh, multi-brand stores that, yeah. you know, were part of my like sort of fashion lexicon over the past, you know, two or three decades, um, don't exist. I know it's, it's really crazy to look around. I think that that really speaks to like uh, a real rethinking of how the fashion business is going to be done. Agreed. And I think, you know, it's interesting to see the department stores continue to persist against all odds. I've always thought that's a little bit of, you know, part of the problem in terms of the margin erosion and all of that. So it's just, it's interesting to see where we are. I miss great specialty boutiques. You know, it's sad Mm -hmm. from a consumer experience, 
to not be able to go into that one store and like get the edit and get the point of view. And, you know, it's such a bummer, but yeah, I think things will level out and I keep on talking to designers about opening up their own stores because it's like, you know, at least if you can walk into a beautifully curated experience, you know, in so that, you know, I I think all designers just from the like consumer expectation and be able to even just create content and create their like vision of their brand instead of like doing expensive you know, lookbooks every season, which people are still doing, but you yeah. don't print them, et cetera, or mail yeah. them, et cetera. You, you are sort of needing to have these physical spaces, but from like talking to my customers, you mm-hmm. know, before and after bird has closed and especially after bird has closed, A, yeah. the biggest question is like, where can I shop? I don't have time to yeah. go to 20, 20 different stores or 20, even 20 different websites I or know. like the behemoths that that have sort of survived yeah. like Net-A-Porter or, yeah. you know, even someone like Bergdorf's or definitely yeah. like a bigger store like Saks. Yeah. It's just, they're like, it's overload. It's I don't so want to go through 270 pages right. worth of stuff that just all lasers yeah. kind of looks blends together. I know. So I kind of think hard. now more than ever, there's a need for a, you know, an editor and a curator and yeah. someone to sort of do that work for I know. you. I know. Um, you know, people are like, oh, I just knew if I came to bird, like I didn't want 200 dresses. Like I exactly. wanted 20 dresses and I knew I could pick any of those twenties, you, you know, dresses that I would look good and, and try, feel yeah. good. And like, they would be cool. Yeah, I know. No, people just want an edit they can trust at the end of the day. Almost like as this volume of access increases, at the beginning, it's really good for the consumer and maybe ultimately yeah. it stays good for the consumer. It just takes inordinate amounts of time. It's yeah. sort of like travel. Like recently well, I've been using a travel agent because I'm like, yeah. I can't spend 75 days price tracking flights on 20 different websites. I know. Well, um, you, you were a professional buyer for many years as was I. <laughs> it's a full-time job to sift through all the noise. And when we expect yeah. a, you know, mildly informed, mildly interested con- consumer to do all of that work just to buy a dress. It's, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. What do you miss about having your own retail stores? Um, I mean, besides the clothes, like I love yeah. <laughs> the clothes. I, love um, I would say, you know, the people, sort of yeah. all the people, yeah. the people I worked with, I was always blessed to just have like the best, most fun, awesome, smart, cool, you know, yeah. staff, the people, I mean, being based in, you know, Brooklyn, I was yeah. just always like, oh my God, we're so lucky mm-hmm. we had, I mean, our clients were like the smartest, coolest, most talented, successful, like funny, great <laughs> people ever. And they just walked yeah. through interesting and they like walked through the door all day long. Um, so those people, and then really, you know, the designers, yeah, like the, the sort of network of of these creative really talented creative people that I love that I got to you know hang out with and talk to on the regular um and so you know I miss so I miss really all levels of community that having a store fostered or you know made possible that being said you know there are definitely things I don't miss like trying to run physical spaces in like 100 year old buildings with you know, the infrastructure of New York city, what it was so many problems. There was just something was going wrong like all the time, all the time. Yeah. Um, especially as I opened more stores, it just made it exponentially more things happening wrong. You know, going wrong I mean, I was always mostly lucky to always have amazing landlords, Yeah, but it was still just a constant, like there's a leak, there's 
a literal fire. There's a flood. (laughs) There's the garbage company didn't pick up. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm like, how do you stay in business? You literally, your only job is to pick up the garbage and you don't pick it up like ever. Yeah. Like ever. So then you're like, oh, it is just a front. Um, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Hire another company, pay two companies, and maybe one of them will come once every couple of weeks and pick up your garbage. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't miss those headaches or just like that stress. Yeah, the um, operational management. And always yeah. being public facing. Yeah. Always needing to like deal no the the management and operations is pretty um intense i don't miss the obsessive tracking of my end of day reports you know i oh, feel like waiting that, for the email yeah that that constant kind of pressure of like did we make the day how does this one do like that and then the mood would, it would set off instantly i'd be like cooking dinner and then i'd get the email and be like yeah. oh yeah dinner sucks <laughs> exactly exactly no. or that just even the high from it would be like oh my god we had the best day yeah we're crushing so it, was, it. Yeah, yeah kind of emotional <laughs> roller coaster it's true I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to this but do you consume less fashion yourself now that you are um, surrounded by a store <laughs> It would almost be impossible not to consume yeah. less than I did. I mean, I kind of would almost get like a whole new wardrobe every um, season. Um, yeah. We work with so many amazing designers. Like I love fashion. It yeah. was like inevitable. Yeah. Um, so for sure, I feel like not having a store, the pandemic, like sort of not being able of to course. go anywhere, Yeah. having twins, which yeah. the reality is like, I definitely don't go anywhere. I definitely don't travel to shop. Right. Right. I definitely barely leave my house. Right. If You're I do leave my babies. house, I'm going to the playground. Yeah. Um, like my, I, you know, for the past two years, it's been this really like an alternate universe of a life where I have lived. I was like, I was like an outdoor voices tank top, yeah. a Rachel Comey <laughs> Fawn sweatshirt yeah. and either some like my Bori joggers or like some jeans when yeah. I finally like could wear jeans again and either Birkenstocks or sneakers. My sister oh, yeah. one day was like, do you, Oh, she's like, you've worn that tank top every day for like three months. And I was like, I have 10 of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. It's a uniform. But yeah. Or like Rachel Comey. I was like, I did have almost every color she ever made in the font sweatshirt. Yeah. So it's a lot to choose from, but it's a good one. Um, I feel like just this spring when I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to go to lunch in Manhattan. If I'm going to live in Man, you know, if I'm going to live in New York city, like yeah. six more months, like I need to like make the most of it. So I kind of plan like once a week or once every two weeks where I would put on like real clothes. And yeah, I love when I put on like a good outfit now. I'm like, like, look at this, look at me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then also just being like having twins, it's like everything I bought for like a year, which was sometimes like 20 things a day um, was for the twins. Yeah. You know, you know, getting, moving houses. It's like, all I was sort of in the process of was getting rid of stuff. Yeah. So I kind of, especially closed, like, so I didn't need more stuff, but then still setting up a new house overseas where we hadn't moved, shipped any of our stuff to yet. It's like everything I'm buying now is, you know, it's mostly for my house. And yeah. so much of it sadly is in like duplicate or triplicate because I couldn't get stuff here or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it, yeah. you know, Scandinavia is also a pretty amazing place to spend your money on home and goods. So great. <laughs> Are you like getting into all of the, all the vintage Scandi? Yeah, no, I mean, just a friend yesterday texted me and she's a dis- an amazing designer and she's just like, have you bought anything on Bukowski's yet? You know, which mm-hmm. is the big auction site. And I was like, I haven't yet. Um, but I'm like worried it's a slippery slope to like yeah. get into that. I mean, that being said, yesterday, like I was walking through the old town and there's this dusty, dusty old antique shop, like 
like with the hundred year old dude sitting there and I didn't find anything inside. But as we were leaving, like there was a little pile of like textiles outside and there was like the cutest fabric I have ever mm. seen. It was like $20 and it's, it's strawberries and blueberries and like red currants and raspberries. It's oh like a God. Swedish summer in like a fabric. Like, so cute. Perfect. Amazing. Um, but I was laughing because I got your questions was thinking about, no, I've consumed a lot less, but um, just yesterday, it started pouring down rain when we were in the middle of the city, sort of unexpectedly. So we went into the big department store, which I love, but I yeah. don't, I don't spend a ton of time there. Yeah. And like the sale had just started and I was like, I think I need a whole new wardrobe at Max Mara. Totally. <laughs> I was like reading your question. I was like, I did buy like five pieces of clothing today, which I have not You're been like, doing, but I consume a lot I'm- less except for today. But also I still have like a really great relationship with Rachel Comey who like took yeah. over my store and, you know, on Smith street. And yeah. so I, I get pieces from her every season, every yeah, collection, because yeah, yeah. that's what I end up wearing like no, totally. every day for no, you know, totally. when I dress up or just on the daily. So yeah, um, it's mostly Rachel Comey now mixed with some other stuff. That's awesome. That makes, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. After the stores for me, I dropped my consumption by like at least 90%. And now I'm, you know, creeping, creeping back up. And yeah, I try to work directly with designers at this point, but um, it's crazy. But yeah, when you don't work in an environment where you're surrounded by all the things that essentially are your taste, um, it's a lot easier to turn turn it down. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about prints. You were, you know, very much known for a a print heavy assortment and, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of starting that whole like Brooklyn style. Well, I mean, you know, prints are super personal um, in general, but you know, I also think it's kind of like the Swedish nature is sort of fundamentally like sun and air are good for you. I kind of feel like prints are joyful um, and like create happiness and like context in a way that's sort of undeniable so I love prints um and I think you can actually kind of you can tell I mean you can tell my fashion history but almost sort of any histories through like a print archive because so many prints you know whether it's the color whether it's the actual design um or the color combinations end up being evocative and a product of when they were designed like you can really identify now oh, that was designed in the 60s, totally. or that's an 80s print, um, or so even a 90s. And so I love that aspect of it. Like, you know, I feel like it is always sort of capturing, you know, a certain moment, you know, capturing the zeitgeist of any given moment. So, but I also, I just, I love color. Um, yeah. I love sort of like the weirder combination, the better. Um, and I love prints. Um, and I just sort of, that's sort of naturally my inclination. So yeah. it ended up being kind of what we were known for and also I just feel like it's very like freeing to be able to not like have as many like style like rules yeah and sort of like all of a sudden just you're like one step closer to like that just by like wearing a print or definitely by wearing yeah. like multiple prints yeah um, the eclect- the you can like really express yeah. yourself because they are so personal I feel like it like within a collection or within a store people can really like find an individual expression when there's like more color and you know texture and prints and patterns then you know I find that's like much harder to do when you limit that palette or you know when you're working with neutrals or not with prints um I think you have to work (laughs) work hard a little harder yeah (laughs) harder you know we're gonna see in Scandinavia um yeah yeah, it's like gonna be a big 
a big mm-hmm. shift. It's still yeah. very neutral here totally. from what I've seen. Yeah, I would think so. How would you typify, and it's always hard to recognize these things when you're in the moment, but what do you think the print moment is right now? How would you describe it? I feel like it's almost, you know, we're kind of in like a retro, retro moment back yeah. to like the nineties, which was itself kind of a retro moment. Yeah, Back like the se- 70s, 70s by way of 90s. But yeah. It's like 70s, 90s, like now I'm in the 20s. Um, yeah. So, which I love. I love that. Which voice. I mean, I totally, I yeah. mean, I like, I, I was born in the 70s. I was like, came of age in the 90s and then Me had too. my career, you know, different phase now. Yeah. So I like it. Um, yeah. we'll I don't know if that will last that much longer because um, mm-hmm. it's, I feel like that's already sort of been happening. So I feel like it's sort of like this maximalism that kind of came back with Gucci is now sort of seems to be like with, yeah, and especially yeah. with Gucci and Balenciaga yeah. um, seems to be fading. Yeah. What are some bit. of your, what are some of your go-to, not just that, like what you wear right now, but what are your, mm-hmm. your favorite lines and labels? I mean, always it's, I mean, it's always Dries Van Noten and has mm-hmm. been since like, I saw the first thing like I ever saw when I went to Barney's like yeah, in the 90s. I could see that. Um, so Dries is, you know, still my favorite. Um, Rachel for like pretty, you know, accessible, really interesting, yeah. great wearable. Yeah, fashion. love her. Still fashion. Yeah, I love her collection. I mean, I definitely think it's like a, a mark, a marker of, of my middle agedom that I really love a lot of the more like simplistic European, especially like Italian brands Yeah. now, just because like, they're just so beautiful. Like they're like still so beautifully and made. Or... Yeah. Like, I mean, especially Brunello or just like I was saying, Max Mara, you know, yeah. just like, it's so beautifully made. It's just like stands out. I know. Even the simplest item. Did you see the, um, the series with Sienna Miller, um, Anatomy of a Scandal? No, but my sister is, my sister and I were just, just telling you about it because she's watching it the whole time she's been here. There, there's some Max Mara moments that you okay. will enjoy. Some, some you know, pretty... it's like, I always love a leopard print. I love yeah. camel. I'm not yeah. really, I don't wear black, like yeah. almost ever. Yeah. So, and I realized now being in that shop, your show, I was like, I don't think there was anything black in there. Um, so really like beautiful, saturated colors. Yeah. Um, I love the wave, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't wear a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but I like I their accessories. It. Yeah, I wear the accessories. their accessories. Or yeah. I mean, like they had the most incredible, like gray leather culottes yeah. last season that I really wanted. But I was like, gray leather culottes don't really work with my life right <laughs> totally. now. Maybe don't they will need the gray leather in culottes the at the future. playground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm feeling. Do you miss or not at all um, the the schedule of fashion weeks and market and the the constant um, go go go? No. I, I don't miss the like unrelentingness of it. And I never, you know, as a buyer and as a buyer of like my own store, I never had like that, like cattle call. You have to be, you know, every hour on the hour, like prodded into like a new space with all the other same people for four weeks in different cities. Like I never had that. Um, thank God. Um, it was always sort of like up to me, what my schedule was going to be and where I traveled and what shows I went to if I went to any um which I I love fashion shows so I usually always did when I could I miss going to Paris like three or four times a year I mean Paris is like you know in Milan we'd go to occasionally but there was a time when you know I don't I think it's gotten even crazier now since I closed bird where people are doing these pre-collections and all changing the times of when they're showing and where they're showing and people are expected to like 
fly to Milan for one day, which yeah. I did like on more than one occasion yeah. where like I would even turn it around in 24 hours. And like, that's so just hard. Like, that's totally insane. It's, it's um, insane on so many so I don't miss that. Yeah. I do. Again, I miss the community of like yeah. getting to see people on the regular yeah. that yeah. I loved. But, you know, also I think it's really interesting. Like now the pandemic really proved that yeah. you don't have to do that. No. Like you can do everything digitally and all of these sort of like formats and strategies that like yeah. I feel the fashion industry was, was um, resistant to. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, you can just take pictures of it on a hanger and on a model and send me an email and I can write the org. 100%. I know. <laughs> Especially when it's a line <laughs> you already know and love. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it gets the but job done. Yeah. Yeah. No. I know. I think there's yeah a way better way to balance it at this point. So I'm interested to see if people who sort of made these exceptions to the way they had always done business for yeah. the pandemic will try to like return to the old way of doing things or will embrace sort of what, you know, the positives and what, you know, more they were able to accomplish with, you know, a new way of doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I won't know because I'm not in that business. And you're not anymore. in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, no. Um, How do you think people are discovering new designers these days? Oh, you know, you wrote me that and I was just like, I, I, you know, that's such because it's changed so much over the years. I mean, yeah. no, literally, it was that I would go, I would fly to Paris or fly to Sao Paulo or yeah. fly to Tokyo yeah. and like go, you know, either go shopping or go to trade yeah. shows and literally be the first person to like bring, you know, yeah. designers back to the States. Um, and, and now it's true discovery for your right, yeah. Um, and now I think, you know, there, there still is that possibility and, you know, it's just, it's just mostly going to be digital, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, or some of my best brands, you know, like I literally designers would like walk into bird with their, like, yeah. I made these 10 dresses when you look at totally. them. Um, so I think like that's kind of done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just worry, you know, I think sort of, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Like on one hand, I think the access to potential customers and or potential, you know, stores um, is greater than ever. And like the sort of bar to entry has been lowered because um, things can be digital and like buyers can, you know, consume so many leads, you know, can follow so many leads um, more than they used to be able to. Um, But at the same time, just like we were saying before, just the, the volume of, digital information that's out there and the sort of like noise that it creates so it, I think it's practically you know impossible for designers to break through yeah um because there are literal like paywalls for them to you know have access to 100 viewers um and that's just getting more and more and more expensive and like impossible to figure out so I think there's got to be another kind of yeah. shift yeah, I, I, I think about that a lot just because, you know, definitely when I was younger, it was like discovery was going into, you know, Colette or going into Barney's or going into, you know, a, a great store, going into Jeffrey, you know, whatever it was, you know, when I was younger before getting into stores and, you know, that's not there. And then on the buying level, you know, like you said, there's so much out there and yeah. How do you sift through the digital noise when it's not just, Oh, I went into this showroom and I ran into this person and they told me about this person who's, you know, just started a collection and I should go to Brooklyn and see it. Or, you know, just like that organic uh, discovery has really changed. And I feel like now I discover so many designers, you know, through like work I do with CFDA or, you know, 
people telling me things, but also so much on Instagram. And then you feel like it's, I don't know, it just, it almost seems like a shortcut and it's also, you know, it's just an app. You know, I think about all the apps I delete all the time and I'm like, is this really a viable way to do business? No, I mean, I, I kind of feel like Instagram is the new gatekeeper, yeah. but for you to even see content, right. like How they're deciding what it? content mm-hmm. you see. Exactly. Um, and do I, do I trust that vetting process and that algorithm right. to really, you know, yeah. run the way I'm, you know, thinking about business. Yeah. yeah it's really, it's complicated. complicated and with time. almost any other, any other business in sort of like any industry, but especially I feel like sort of the lifespan of digital companies or tech or apps, yeah. it kind of feels like it's, there's gotta be another one coming. So like, what is that, what is that going to be? And how is that going to be different? And what sort of avenues is that going to provide for, you know, creative people to reach other people? I know. What were some of your favorite places in Brooklyn to eat? What spots do you miss? I'm going to start crying. No, Um, (laughs) really. um, I, so I lived down in Ditmas Park. I did. I still have my house there, but um, there was a really small um, place called, um, <laughs> spacing out and King Mother. <laughs> I always okay. want to say Mother was Brooklyn called King Mother. Um, and it's just this tiny little like uh, natural wine bar with small plates mm-hmm. and just everything they do. It's not a lot of stuff, but it's all delicious. And oh, the wine is all great. delicious and they're like super nice and it's super tiny. Um, and it's like a perfect like your local spot. Um, so oh. if and I have friends who come out, um, I like recommend it to people all the time. So like if people are going to shows at like King's Theater, yeah. you can like walk you can go there first and have a have a snack and a glass of wine and then walk to the theater hanio in park slope is korean food that's like not quite traditional and i think she's like one of the most talented chefs like ever everything is so delicious you can't believe it so i try to go there as much as possible um my favorite bar is long island bar Mm -hmm. um in cobble hill um just everything's perfect and classic and the gimlet is perfection i could drink yeah. like 20 of them even though yeah. i'm trying not to exactly well, i'll be sure to tell my brother just moved from uh chinatown out to park slope oh nice i'll be, I'll be sure to tell him about Hanukkah. Yeah. Maybe I'll, have you found any of your new spots in stockholm or are you still discovering well this? there's yeah there's a couple of places that i love there's a bakery in the south side of town which is like the brooklyn of stockholm it's called sutter um, and one of my favorite little bakeries, which there are delicious ones on every single block, but this one, um, it's called Pascal and it's just perfect. It's That's gorgeous. Awesome. It's small. Everything they make is delicious. And then there's an amazing sort of classic restaurant called Master Anders um, in kind of a residential part of town that's not, you know, trendy at all and it's beautiful and you get like a martini and french food and um but it's very again it's sort of like very residential very local vibes there's a whole movement that um has not escaped me but uh i'm not necessarily that intrigued or tempted by called like brutalist food maybe you know Mm. about it could it be more scandinavian sounding or like in reality so there's a new restaurant here that people are kind of like freaking out about but even just the concept of brutalist food I mean it makes me laugh it just feels so macho yeah like I feel like it's about like knives and meat but it also I think is just about minimalism right but it's almost like here's something that we've done nothing to yeah on a concrete plate 
Um, hmm. It's very expensive. I love um, it. So like Portlandia-esque. Like, I, I kind of love I'm it. Yeah. Really, so I'm like, I am intrigued enough. I'll probably try to go. Yeah. Um, my friends have been like sending it to me being like, you should try this. And I'm like, but really? I You're actually like, just but do I have to? Yeah. Food. <laughs> like I love butter. Um, I love it. I love ingredients. Uh, so I love it. We'll, we'll see if I get there. I mean, the room looks, I mean, it's pretty stunning um and the food looks stunning in the presentation it's like but uh, I'm not really a minimalist so I don't yeah. know if that will, that will translate gonna, into my restaurant choices or not did you ever attend Stockholm Fashion Week or Copenhagen Fashion Week when you were I attended for Copenhagen Fashion yeah. Week a couple of times yeah um and a lot of Swedish brands show there because you know it's a bigger yeah. traditionally been um historically been a bigger commercial fair and I've always carried a ton of Scandinavian brands because my husband is from Sweden. So we would yeah. visit here all the time. And there was such a huge, you know, movement of Scandinavian design um, in the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, beyond even acne. Back when I was like, you know, nobody even starting. Mean, I saw acne when it was like a newspaper printed t-shirt and a pair of jeans yeah. like in a midtown room a in like a suitcase. Time. Like yeah, the absolute yeah. first thing that ever got brought to the United States when I worked for Stephen Allen in like 1990. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I bought it because I was like oh my god this is from Stockholm totally. my husband's from Stockholm totally. I should try this out yeah um so there was a while when I carried like you know so many Scandinavian brands there was a big moment who do you think is the new acne studios denim because my husband has been wearing acne studios denim for like 20 years and They've changed all their fits and he's like devastated. No, 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 you don't know. Like this is the only <laughs> conversation I have with my husband. Like every. No, me too. And I'm like, I can't solve <laughs> this for you. Cause I don't know. I feel like, bad. It's but not I don't my know. fault that they yeah. kind of made like the dumbest decision I've ever known a business to make and just decided <laughs> to stop while making all their denim that everyone seems to really like. That, every, Even that all sister, these like, guys buy women multiple too. times a year. I know it's crazy. Um, so I, I have no answer to that. He's kind of started just wearing Levi's. Yeah. Um, and then Chamala. I think yeah. all of his jeans now are Levi's and Chamala. Yeah. Okay. Um, which Chamala like is probably my favorite specialty denim, but it's, you know, it's really expensive and it's yeah. not for everyone. And sometimes it's like way too fashion. Like, yeah. so I don't, it's which tough. I'm like, it's this huge industry and I feel like there's new brand after new brand, but, um, but who's I making don't... that like great basic denim? My husband know, bought yeah. one pair of Saint Laurent because he found a fit that was almost the same. Uh -huh. But then he was so depressed for weeks about what he spent on it that you know it's right. just not happening. My friends, my friends feel that I have some friends who feel that way about their Celine denim, but they're women. And I, just, yeah. I don't know if they're doing yeah. it for men or not, but even exactly. me, I'm, like, I'm going to go buy some Celine jeans. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm no. Not. I'm also like a Saint Laurent box arriving to my house. Not for me just makes me mad. So I'm like, no, no, this is <laughs> not, this. we're not, we're not doing this. Okay. So last question, what's next for you? Are you going to open more retail? Are you just taking a nice hiatus? Are you pivoting? So. What are you doing? Um, a few years ago, it's actually probably been like three years now, I started work on a big, designing a big house in Shelter Island. Oh, um, and it got sort of like the whole project got like sidelined and then uh, restarted and delayed from the pandemic. But now that is in like full swing um, in terms of like the renovation. So I'm working wow. on that. It's supposed to be finished now, of course. And now we're kind of like, oh my God, let's try to finish it by next summer. And is <laughs> the this, reality this is for... of the construction. 
construction business. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and this is for your family or is that's it for my family? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's my so pa- nice. that's for my family. And then um, recently I was hired to do the same thing for a couple in Brooklyn who Amazing. are doing a top to bottom gut renovation of a four story landmark townhouse in Cobble Hill. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, and of course, like I met them and we started the project like a few weeks before I moved to Europe. So I'm trying to like manage what, you know, communicating what like is really possible for me to do and, you know, with the like scope of work that actually really needs to be done. Yeah. And I just forgot, you know, I'm like, oh my God, there's actually like 10,000 decisions. These few months, like I'm just doing all this sort of like architecture consulting. I was like, we haven't even gotten to the interiors yet. Yeah. Um, So that'll be a long project. That's probably going to be like a year. That's awesome. I'd love to see what you design for a home interior. Yeah. So I kind of think that's what I, and maybe that's another sort of like middle-aged lady cliche of like transitioning from fashion to interior. It's a pretty natural transition. And especially, you know, having had like six, you know, spaces that I had renovated and built out and, you know, know, created, I feel like I, you know, I do have a point of view and an aesthetic Mm -hmm. experience with contractors and architects. And, you know, it's, it's definitely different working for and with other people um, than just for myself or even for my family, Uh, you know, people or friends, because I've done this for friends too. And it's like, it's um, very easy when you know people, you know, very intimately. And, but, you know, when you don't, it's like, that's a whole learning process too, besides, you know, in addition to actual, you know, the actual work. So, but it's been really fun. Um, And I decided to just go for it and, you know, they're super nice and the project is like exciting and the architects are great. And that, you know, I think it'll be a beautiful finished home. Um, And then, you know, see where that leads. Hopefully that will lead to, it wasn't like I was going to come to Sweden and people were going to be like, please build my house in Sweden. Like, I don't know anyone here. You'll meet a maximalist who wants a print heavy home. And (laughs) there you go. (laughs) The one person. Yeah. There'll be one, there'll be one great client. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Maybe we'll keep doing that. I I think I could work in fashion again, but it would, it would definitely need to be in a different capacity. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm still figuring out, you know, through the consulting and everything and the podcasting. I'm like, what, I only know people in fashion. I only know how to talk about fashion. Let me just right. talk about fashion. So yeah. um, in a different way. I know recently know. I was like, maybe I should just be a personal shopper because, and not an interior <laughs> like I'm really good at people it, yeah. Just, I'm really good at it. And that's all uh, people ask me to like multiple people a day ask me, what should I wear to this? I, know, I should I know. just help them and charge them for it. If they totally. would if they'd pay me, maybe I can come up with a, a there is a, there is a business model for that. So. For sure. For sure. I know. I know. All right. Well, this has been so fun um, uh, chatting it's great with you. To chat with you. Thank really, you so much. It's really nice. I feel like your time. I took your questions and I actually spent a few hours this morning and I'm like, so I kind nice. of feel like this is the first time I've taken in the two years to really like think Sit through the process. Think. Like what was the pandemic to bird? What is closing bird? Mean? What does that mean to me? So I, I think know. it's been um, therapeutic. Good, good. No, so thank you. No, of course. And that's, that's one of the things I've, I've loved so much about talking to people during this time is, you know, it's a very ripe time for everyone. You know, it's like, we all are having big feelings and changes. And I don't know, I don't know where we go from here, but it's all very interesting right now. We're find out, <laughs> we will see. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Right, take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.